0: Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk Good morning, my name's Michael and I'm a member of Church Central West family. It's my honour to be sharing this morning from God's Word as we continue our journey through the Book of Psalms and our series, Singing Lessons. First of all, I'd love to welcome you if it's your first time here at Church Central West, you're most welcome. And I really pray that God is able to speak to you and you receive something through the the word that we're going to be teaching from this morning. So today we're looking at Psalm 133. And I want to share a little about the background of Psalm 133 and the group of Psalms that it sits within before we begin. Psalm 133 is one of the songs of ascent. These are a special group of Psalms and comprise of Psalms 120 through to 134. They're also known as the Pilgrim Songs. King David is said to have written Psalm 133. 3. So, Jerusalem is situated on a high hill, and Jews would travel to Jerusalem from all over for one of the three main Jewish festivals and would traditionally have sung these songs of ascent on the uphill road to the city. The theme of each song of ascent offers encouragement to those seeking to worship God today. Psalm 133 shows praise of brotherly fellowship and unity. So here is Psalm 133, and I will be reading from the NIV. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the color of his robe. It is as if the Jew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So the people would travel to Jerusalem for the feasts with their neighbours, family, and relatives. And as they drew closer to Jerusalem, more and more people would come together people from different regions, different tribes, but all coming together for. One common purpose, to worship the Lord God at Jerusalem. And as we shall see, that is what makes all the difference. There are few things as precious in this world as believers together in unity. And one of the marks of a great church is the sweetness of fellowship and unity we experience in the body of Christ. Psalm 133 tells us three things about living together in unity. One, it tells us, the goodness of living together in unity. Two, it tells us the source of living together in unity. And three, it tells us of the blessing of living together in unity. Let's look at these together. So firstly, the goodness of living together in unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Living together in unity is both good and pleasant. It is appropriate for us as Christians because we are brothers and sisters together in Christ. Not all Bible translations have it, but in the Hebrew there is an actual behold at the beginning of the verse. The goodness of living together in unity is so good that the psalmist says, Behold, look, marvel at what I am about to describe to you. So, first of all, living together in unity is both good and pleasant. The word good in this verse is a word that means excellent. In other words, this is something that is good in God's sight. He has put his stamp of approval on it. The word translated pleasant is a word that means beautiful, sweet, or lovely. In other words, it's not only Good in God's sight, but it's good for you too. Whether you're a family, a business, a church or a sports team, life is much more pleasant and enjoyable when everyone is getting along. I like the fact that living together in unity is both good and pleasant, because there are some things are either one or the other, but not both. For example, in the Bible, it tells us that discipline is good, but not pleasant. Hebrews twelve eleven says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So some things are good, but not pleasant and then there are other things that are pleasant but not good like too much honey you can see this in proverbs 25 16. so some things are good but not pleasant and some things are pleasant but not good but when you're living together in unity you get the best of both worlds it's both good and good for you. And because it's good, that tells us it is a gift from God. As James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. The book of Acts describes the early church and its remarkable unity. We read in Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, And to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. What a beautiful picture of unity. They were relatives of each other, descendants of a common father, but as Christians we are also brothers and sisters. We have been adopted into God's family. We share God as our Father, and that makes us family. As a Christian, you don't get to choose whether or not you're gonna be part of the family of God. You already are. So the only question remaining is, how will you live as part of God's family? Will you live in unity, or will you live in division? Now, this might come as a surprise to you, but brothers and sisters don't always get along. We find many examples in the Bible. Cain killed his brother Abel. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Even Jesus' disciples got into arguments with each other. And as Christians in the church, we don't always get along with each other either. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. So brothers and sisters don't always get along. Sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we get angry with each other, but we need to work it through. We need to overcome disagreements and always always love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Hebrews 13, 1 tells us, As believers, keep on loving each other as brothers. So verse 1 tells us of the goodness of living together in unity. Let's move on to part 2, the source of living together in unity. The next part of the psalm tells us the source of living together in unity. Where in the world does this beautiful, good, pleasant, brotherly, sisterly unity come from? Or does it not come from this world at all? Samus answers the question by giving us two examples, two images. Living together in unity is like oil poured on Aaron's head. And living together in unity is like the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. Notice with both of these images, there is a downward movement. In both of these images, the blessing comes from above and then pours down on us. It starts high and then moves downward. And so in this section, the Psalmist is telling us that God is the source of living together in unity. It doesn't come from this world at all. Living together in unity is a gift of God's grace. So let's focus on, it is like oil poured on Aaron's head. So let's take a closer look at each of these images. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. This is one of those biblical images that grows and expands in meaning with every phrase and every word. Let's start with the oil. Oil was a valued commodity in ancient Israel. Not for making fuel, but it was used for cooking and also for moisturising and refreshing. So to compare unity to oil is a good thing. But the unity that comes from God is not just like oil. It is like precious oil. The word translated precious here is the exact same word that was translated good back in verse 1. This is not any old oil. This is precious oil. It is excellent. It is good in God's sight and he has put a stamp of approval on it. It is like precious oil poured on the head. This is a picture of hospitality and refreshing. When you invite somebody into your home today, you may offer them a cup of tea or a nice cold drink. Well, in ancient Israel, you might have offered them a drink, but you would also offer them oil for their head. The climate was hot and dusty and oil on the head would be a welcome relief. We find a similar image of hospitality and refreshing in Psalm 23, 5. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. But this is not just precious oil poured on the head. It is also running down on the beard. In other words, this is not just a little bit of oil, but this oil is poured out so richly, so fully, that it even runs down on a person's beard. The host is gracious, gracious, and not stingy. The phrase running down appears twice in the verse, in verse two, and then it appears a third time, in verse three, where it is translated as falling. In other words, God's blessings flow down to us from heaven. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Living together in unity is a good gift to be received from God. And so fellowship is like oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. It is precious. It is refreshing. It is a gift from God. And God is generous with his gift. He doesn't hold anything back. But wait, there's more. The image shifts again, and now suddenly we learn that this is Aaron's head and Aaron's beard. And that's important because Aaron was the high priest, and God required a very special oil. was used for the anointing of the priest. You can look up the recipe if you want in Exodus 30. It was a special blend of oil with olive oil, myrrh, cinnamon, cassia, and cane. It was a specific formula with specific ingredients and measures, and it was only to be used for anointing the priest and for the sacred objects in the temple. The fact that it is a special sacred oil that is poured teaches us that there is a special fellowship among Christians. Unlike anything we experience outside the church, Christian fellowship is unique. It is a sacred it is sacred because It is fellowship united around Christ. That's another reason that Aaron is pictured here. Aaron was the high priest, and the anointing of the high priest with oil connects this psalm with the previous psalm, Psalm 132, which focused on God's promise of the Messiah, which means the anointed one. And so Aaron, the anointed high priest, points forward to Jesus, who is our great high priest and who is also the promised Messiah. The fact that the oil is poured on Aaron's head also points towards Christ. The New Testament tells us in Ephesians 5 that Christ is the head of the church and that we are members of his body. Christ is the head and therefore our unity is founded in him. We're united with Christ and therefore we're united with each other. back to Psalm 133. Notice the oil is poured, not just on Aaron's head and running down the beard, but it also runs down onto the collar of his robes. Aaron's robe is significant here because the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were sewn into the high priest's robe. So the robe image here is talking about us as people of God. The good blessing of Christian unity flows from the head, to the beard, to the robe. It is an image of the whole body of Christ, united together with Jesus as our head. Oil in the Bible is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And what do we learn from the New Testament? That God poured out his Spirit on Jesus the head, and Jesus poured the Holy Spirit on his body, the church. The sacred anointing oil had a sweet-smelling fragrance and, oh, the sweetness of spirit-anointed fellowship in the church. Part two, it is like the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. So let's look at this image. Mount Hermon is located in the northern part of Israel, extending also along the border of Lebanon and Syria. It is the highest mountain in Israel, with an altitude of over 9,000 feet above sea level. It is known for its cool nights and heavy dew. In winter, it is covered with snow, and the surrounding Hermon stays lush and green all summer long. Now, compare that with Mount Zion. Mount Zion is located in the southern part of Israel. It's is a much smaller mountain with an altitude of only 2,400 feet above sea level. And unlike Hermon, there is very little dew, rain, or any moisture at all. During the summer months. And so we have two very different mountains here Herman to the north and Zion to the south. Herman towering above the other mountains, and Zion just part of the range. Mount Herman, cool, refreshing, Mount Zion hot and dry. What an amazing thing it would be if the Jew of Mount Hermon were to follow Mount Zion. That is exactly what happens with Christian fellowship. The word translated falling here. It's the same word we saw for running down at verse 2. Once again, God's blessing of unity comes down to us from heaven. It is something we receive from the Lord. Apart from God's blessings, we are like the dry, arid land of Mount Zion. But God sends his blessing upon us. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon. The dew here is probably another symbol for the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is essential to our unity in Christ. For example, Ephesians 4 tells us, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The fact that Herman and Zion are united by the Jew in this image also reminds us that the church, we are all one. It is a unity of the great and the small, the high and the low, the north, the south. Brought together, it is a unity that crosses all human boundaries and divisions. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. James 1 says, the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. In other words, it doesn't matter how high or low you are in the eyes of the world. In Christ we are one, and we have special unity through Christ and the Holy Spirit. Jews refreshing and Christian fellowship should also be refreshing. We should leave church energized, encouraged, renewed and charged up and ready to go. What do these two images teach us about living together in unity? Unity starts high, then comes down to us. Christian unity is a gift from God that comes down to us from heaven, through Christ the head of the body, by the Holy Spirit, dwelling in us as believers there's nothing else on earth that compares so let's move on to part three the blessing of living together in unity we've talked about the goodness of living together in unity we've talked about the source of living together in unity here we're talking about the blessing of living together in unity Psalm 133 verse 3 says for there The Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. This verse teaches us two vital truths. God gives his blessing where believers are together in unity, and living together in unity is a foretaste of heaven. So God gives his blessing where believers live together in unity. Do you want God's blessing on your life, your church, your family? then you need to live in unity. Once again, this is not something we can do apart from in Christ. It's something that we can not manufacture or make happen on our own. Only as we focused on Christ, the head of the body, and only as we yield to the Holy Spirit within us, can we know the sweet goodness of living together in unity. But though Christian unity is a gift from God, we still need to live it out in our lives. We need to make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4.3 We need to love, apologise, reconcile and forgive. There's a special place that God has guaranteed to put his blessing. And that's where believers are living together in unity. Here that place is pictured as Mount Zion, which we have seen as a symbol for the place where God meets with his people. In other words, when we meet with God in worship, we will experience Christian unity and God will send his blessing. The more we focus on him, the greater our unity will be. Worship, unity and blessing are all tied up together. That's why Paul can say in Romans 15, May God give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when verse three, verse 3 says that God bestows his blessing there, the word translated bestows is literally the word for commands. We are believers live in unity, God commands his blessing. And you know, whatever God commands is going to take place. If you want to experience God's blessing, then you need to live in unity. God gives His blessing where believers to live together in unity. And finally, living together in unity is a foretaste of heaven. 2 Corinthians 1 21 to 22 says, Living together in unity is a foretaste of heaven. Christian fellowship we experience through the Holy Spirit here on earth is as beautiful as it is. Is only a foretaste of the perfect fellowship we will share with each other in heaven. We read in 2 Corinthians 1, now it is God who anointed us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So what does Psalm 133 teach us about living together in unity? It teaches us it's both good and pleasant. As believers, we are united with Christ. We are filled with his Holy Spirit. Christian unity is God's gift of blessing. Christian unity is a gift from God and a blessing of life forevermore. As we ascend nearer to God in worship, God's blessing comes down and meets us. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity.